6, Matthew chapter 6, Lord willing, for the next few weeks, we'll find ourselves here on Wednesday nights, looking at what's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, Pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which, hath, which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you praising you, thanking you for the answered prayers that we lifted up this evening. We come before you presenting our requests of concerns, desires, and desiring to see you yet move again in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'll be with those next door who are teaching your word, that, Lord, that as you said, your word will not return void, and we've seen that even this past Sunday. We thank you for what you've done here, and we pray that you'll continue to work. In Jesus' name, amen. One man was going back and forth debating with his friend about who knew more about the Bible. As they debated back and forth, the one friend told the other friend, he said, you know so little about the Bible, I bet you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. The one friend took offense to that and said, I promise you I know the Lord's Prayer. The friend said, if you can quote the Lord's Prayer, i tell you what I'll do. I'll give you $10. He said, well, get your $10 ready. So the man began to quote the Lord's Prayer. He said, as I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. 
his friend started laughing after his friend quoted this prayer and he pulled out his $10 and handed it to his friend. He said, you're right. I would have never guessed you knew the Lord's prayer. The truth is, we don't know the purpose of the Lord's prayer at times. The truth is, I believe at times there's a lot of confusion about this prayer altogether. In fact, this is not even the Lord's prayer at all. I guess you could say in return that this is the disciples' prayer. But this prayer as a whole doesn't even apply to the Lord because the Lord would never pray to have his sins forgiven. Yet this request, this format of a prayer is what it offers up. Even more, this prayer that we read about here in Matthew chapter 6 is, is not for us to repetitiously pray every day as some faiths do. Matter of fact, when you look back at verse number seven, he says, but when you when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do. This prayer is really not even a prayer for us to continuously pray. Yet how many times do we see at main events on the onset of special services, people turn to this prayer and repeat it aloud? You see, this prayer here, it takes place on the backside of the disciples coming to the Lord and asking the Lord to teach them to pray. So in the teaching them to pray, he sets off before he even gets into the prayer, so to say, in verses 9 through 15, he sets off telling them how not to pray. He says, don't pray in vain repetition. Don't pray as the hypocrites do. Don't pray standing in the synagogue where everyone can hear you. Don't pray in the corner of the streets as the hypocrites do. He said, hey, if you want to experience power in prayer, it's not about a public format. It is about a private relationship. So he says, if you want to experience power from God above, get in the prayer closet and do not follow after the hypocrites. But if you're looking for a format, so to say, if you're looking for a structure to follow after, here is a structure to follow after. Verse number nine says, after this manner. The disciples are wanting to pray. So the Lord says, here is an illustration. After this manner, this is how you should approach prayer. Pray like this structure, not pray this prayer. And as Jesus wants to teach the disciples about prayer, he starts off with this. And after this manner, Therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven. A couple weeks back I was given the opportunity to preach at another church. I was thankful for the opportunity. I sat down and wrote the card out. 
I bought the card. I spent time writing the things that came to my mind, the nice things about the card. But the card is still sitting in the uh, visor of my vehicle. Because I have failed to get the church's address to send it. Therefore, I have not sent the car because I don't have the right address. You see, all the time I spend riding the car, buying the car, it's all a waste of time because I have failed to have the right address. So the Lord, when he first was speaking to the disciples, he, he said, not as the hypocrites do who think they are heard because they speak a whole lot of words. The first thing you have to do is when you enter into the prayer closet, you have to make sure that you have the right address for your prayers. Our Father, which art in heaven. The only one that can answer prayers in our personal life is our Father who's in heaven. There's no other deity in the world in which can answer prayers at all. It is our Father. I have a little girl who lives next door to me, and she has this little phone that sits on this blue barrel next door. And I will at times walk out my front door and walk to the car, and she is over there just talking away. The phone is one of the old phones that you can just hang up on. And she's just talking away, and really it's quite impressive how long she can go on in a conversation and is talking to absolutely no one at all. Well, for the child of God, it's different. But in like manner, for those who pray and don't seek God first or has no relationship with God, they're like this little girl out there on the line. She may be talking, but there's no network connection. Well, where does the network connection come from? The Lord says the network connection in prayer comes through the relationship in which God becomes our Father. You see, when we enter into the prayer life, when we enter into the prayer closet, this is an exciting thing because there's no worry about uh, the dial tone. There's no worry about a busy signal. There's no worry about, you know, getting held up upon call waiting. He says when we pray to our Father, which is in heaven, we enter directly into the throne room of grace. Second thing that the Lord makes clear to us as we dig further into this format of prayer is he says our father in the old testament when they referenced god he went by many names it was whether it was jehovah or whether it was elohim or jehovah jireh or adonai or el shaddai you see all of these different Names, they, they have meanings. Not only do they have meanings, but they have personal meanings. There are meanings that have stemmed from personal experiences. We know the name Jehovah Ra. When we read Psalms 23, 
And David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The word shepherd there is Jehovah Ra'ah. This is David's confession about what God has done for him in his life. He says, in this moment of Psalms 23, God has never failed to protect me. In Genesis chapter 15, when you read about Jacob there, Jacob has this amazing experience with God where he lays hold of a greater understanding about how powerful God is. And from Genesis chapter 15, he calls God El Shaddai. But here in the New Testament, the Lord draws the believer's eyes to their own name for God. It is Father. This is the sweetest name in which you could know God by. It is to say that here in this text that the Lord is reminding us of our own personal relationship. This is our own Psalms 23 moment. This is our own Genesis chapter 15 moment. This is this moment in which we stay our Father, the God who put the stars in space and put the moon in place, is our Father. It is this testament of a personal relationship with God. Notice something else that he says here to us in this verse. He says, our Father, which art in heaven. Now, bear with me. I don't know if, is anyone in here an only child? Jason. <laughs> this don't count for you. All right. But they say this. They say that people, when they're only child, when they're the only child, that they find themselves to be spoiled. You know, they are, man, you're definitely an old, only child. You're a spoiled brat. Or when you see the way that they behave, it seems to like drive you crazy. But the Lord says here in this text, in this prayer, on the onset of our prayer, he reminds us that we're not only children. This world doesn't just revolve around you. And when we pray, we say, our Father which art in heaven. It doesn't matter whether you're red, white, or candy striped. We all share the same Father. And yet we need to recognize this, that our Father loves all of his children equally the one who our father in heaven who loves us the one who cares for us the one who sent his only son to die for us he loves us he, he is all of our fathers matter of fact this prayer that he gives to us as an example has no singular pronouns in it at all he says our father meaning we all have the same father. He says, forgive us, meaning we all need forgiveness. He goes on to say, can we help us to learn to forgive others, meaning that we all struggle in our hearts, learning how to forgive other people. Give us 
our daily bread, meaning that God alone supplies each and every one of us our daily bread. Meaning this is the structure that the Lord put forth is the structure that we all need in our prayer life. The reason is that there's no singular pronouns that it's all about me, it's all about I, is because it's not about uh, me personally, it's about us. God taking care of his children. The second part to this is to say that the Lord reminds the disciples about the geography of prayer. He says, our Father, which art in heaven. Sometimes we're so earthly minded when we pray, we are no heavenly good. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Oftentimes when we approach the throne room of grace, we have the wrong idea about whose kingdom it needs to be built, whose kingdom needs to be lifted up, whose kingdom needs to be exalted in this time. Lord, don't you know I need, instead of what we need, what we need to be for the cause of Christ, what we need to be to uh, bring glory to his name. And so he says here, our heavenly father. But heavenly is also a reminder that there is no fathers around here that can compare to him. Why is this so important? Well, it's so important because if we're honest, society has went out on an all-on assault to degrade fathers. They look down on fathers. They devalue fathers in the home. The system is set up to reward fatherless homes. Even if you watch on the TV, I watched this Disney series with my kid the other day. We didn't watch the whole series. Now we just watched the episode. But I found it interesting that the father in the home, he was the big dummy. He, he was the guy who didn't know nothing. He, he was the guy that everybody made fun of. The kids were super intelligent. Mom knew what was going on, but nobody listened to dad. It seems that what we have in the, what we have in the world today is really an all-out assault about fatherhood. But the Lord does something here with the disciples to remind them that though you may see failures in your earthly father, I do this with my kids. There are things that I know that my father failed on and I strive not to fail my kids in those areas because I know how it felt to have a father to fail you there. And in return, I fail them in other areas. But the reminder, what the Lord gives us here, he said, our Father, which art in heaven. There is no comparison to our earthly Father, to the Father in whom we seek in prayer. 
The Lord separates them in our minds. He removes them. Do not compare the God whom we seek in prayer to the God who we have here on earth, or the Father and who we have here on earth. Because if you do allow your mind to do such a thing, if you allow yourself to but start to merge the two, you'll stop seeking the Heavenly Father. You'll stop looking to him. You'll start thinking in your mind that the reason that you're not where you want to be in your life, in your ministry, in your service is because your heavenly father has failed you just like your earthly father. And it's far from being true. He said, our father, which art in heaven, we have to be reminded that the construction of our spiritual life, even up to the physical existence in which we live in, should all be focused upon his kingdom come and his will being done. So the next time we start to focus or start to lament the fact that we may have lost the job or we lost the car or that we lost our finances or something else, we ought to be heavenly minded so much that we say that, Lord, I, I believed that I needed this, but I also understand you believe that I do not need this to continue to build your kingdom. Because that's what this life is all about. It's all coming to the grand day in which the Lord returns. Matter of fact, when the Lord gives us in verse 10, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Lord is to say that, and remember, who better could give advice about what it was like in heaven than the Lord? His desire was to be as it was and as it is in heaven, where the angels go and do the will of the heavenly father at the command, they're there to help Daniel in chapter 6. At the command, helping Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At the command, there to give the message to Mary. Could you imagine if heaven was just as dysfunctional as earth was? But he says, the Lord says that our prayer should be in unison, like in Revelation chapter 7, when it says one of uh, every tongue and every nation was gathered there around the throne, praising God. He, he said that we should pray in the same manner that our desire should be, and we should live in such a way that the way it is in heaven is the way it is on earth. But even more, he says here, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We don't say things foolish about God. We don't say things foolishly about our earthly father. Maybe sometimes we do, but even more, we shall not be saying foolish things about our heavenly father. Hallowed means to be set apart. Hallowed means that it's holy. The word hallowed comes from the word hagiazio, which is connected to the adjective hagios. Why is this so important? Because the name of God is not God. 
but it is God's name. So he says, hallowed be thy name. What is the connection for all of us? So what the Lord is saying, the hagiazo is connected to the hagios, meaning things that pertain to God, things that represent God should be given the same respect as God because it pertains to God. It is his business. So he says, hallowed be thy name. It is massively confusing why in this world in which we live, when we seek to bring slander or illness or to put disparaging comments upon people, we take God's name in vain. The holy, righteous God. I mean, you would think if you wanted to Go on a smear campaign. You might use the name like Hitler or like Mussolini or Stalin or Mao or one of these oppressors or one of these murderers of times past. But instead, they set out to use the name of God. Jesus says, no, his name is also hollow. The Hagiazo is connected. The Hagiazo is connected to the Hagiazo. Even more with this same Format being laid out before us. This is why in the Old Testament, the priests, they were set aside and had to be sanctified. Because why? Because they were priests for who? For God. This is the Sabbath day. We were to honor it and to keep it holy. What makes Sunday any more special than Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Well, it's because of the Hagiazo. The Hagiazo is connected to the Hagiazo. The day is connected to the Lord. It is the Lord's day. The reality is that when we fail to honor things that belong to the Lord, we fail altogether. It's amazing when we hollow things, when we give honor to things, we will almost break our necks for it. Example, when we work our job, we will break our neck, go to work without our socks on, leave our lunch, leave our cell phones, do whatever we have to do. I know I've been there. Just to get to work on time, just so we can be there and perform for our company because we honor them. We honor them that we will sacrifice without so that we can be there on time. Matter of fact, the events that sometimes even with people in sporting events, they'll take off work to attend two baseball games or to attend one baseball game, but they won't even stay over five minutes to plan a vacation Bible school. It's all about what we honor. It's all about what we follow. It's all about what we pay respect to. The Lord is trying to teach the disciples the things that belong to the Lord Deserve as much respect as the Lord because they are his. They are representative of him. Sunday is his day. So the Lord is giving them even more that we have to learn to respect. We need to learn to understand that prayer is connected to the one true God. We got to understand that it almost 
the more you dissect this sentence, hallowed be thy name, the deeper you go into digging into this, it almost stirs about in your mind the reality that you should decompress for a moment before you enter into the Holy of Holies. When we begin to pray to God, it is stepping through the door of eternity. We step through this earth in which we live and are in the throne room of God. Yet it's confusing how this is to be hollowed, this is to be respected, and yet when we enter into the Holy of Holies, it seems so many times Satan is warring in our flesh, trying to distract us even in our own prayer lives. Yet the Lord says here, follow be thy name. Prayer is to be reverenced. It's prayer is to be respected because of whom we are praying to. It is to say that we ought to give thought about what we're doing. Even more, he says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I guess you could say that Prayer is like letters from soldiers during wartime. When our minds are correct, when our minds are correctly calibrated, that our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. When our minds are correctly it's like wartime letters. When a soldier sends a letter home, it usually says, it's bad here. It usually says people are dying here. It usually says people are hurting here. It says that I'm trying to help others. But it usually always ends with I'm really looking forward to being home. The reminder as we go into the prayer closet, as the Lord really opens up in verse 9, is that when we go into the prayer closet, yeah, we're going to pray about the things that we are experiencing, but we must never disconnect ourselves from the reality that the Father in whom we're praying to is at a place in which we are headed. That we're praying to him, but we always close like, I'm looking forward to being with you one day. I'm looking forward to worshiping. I'm looking forward to a day where there's no pain, no hurting, no troubles, no sorrows, no more trials. This connection comes from constantly reminding ourselves about the God in whom we are praying to. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We, as I've already said, must pray, not focusing on our own lives, our own missions, our own empires, but we should focus on the Lord. As we enter into prayer, as we seek the Lord, it is to beg God that his kingdom will come. It should be each and every one of our desires that we long for glory to come here. Now, when I say that thy kingdom come, thy will be done as, uh, in earth as it is in heaven, 
It is not that the Lord does not have authority over the earth. It is not that he is not king over the earth. He is king indeed, but he has not yet uh, instituted his reign, which is yet to come. But it is to pray that his kingdom would come. It is to pray to recognize that only his kingship will straighten out the problems because the authorities that we have today are failing to handle the problems of this nation. I'll give you two last things about this and we'll come back to verse 10 next week. He says, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. It's really two parts. The first part, thy kingdom come, is focused on the subject being God. Thy will be done is to say that it, the second part is focused on the servant. It is that when the servant seeks God, that he wants his kingdom to come. But it also is to say that when the subject seeks God, that he desires for God's will to be done in his life. Thy will be done. It is to go into prayer selflessly. It is to go into prayer satisfied. It is to go in prayer with complete confidence that whatever God's will is, for your life is the best thing that could happen to you. Thy will be done. Your kingdom be exalted. Look at it again. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I long to see the Lord's millennial reign. I long to see the world give him the honor and authority, and recognize his authority. Philippians, Paul told the Philippians that one day, every knee, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But you know what? That is to say in reference to those who refuse to bow the knee. That is in reference that those who hardened their hearts or who refused to repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus Christ. It is to say that those all will bow to. But when it says here, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Look, verse 7, he says, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. That's what the heathens do. That's how they talk, for, for, for their much speaking. But when he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as earth as it is in heaven. This is referencing to believers who are seeking the Lord. We're praying to God, our heavenly father, praying that he will help us to exalt the thought and the reality that his will being done in our life is the best thing that could happen. But yet it's also to come to an understanding that it is a struggle and it is a matter of prayer to not have the desires of our hearts answered. But this is not about us. 
This is not our show. I wish I could design worship. If I could design worship, <laughs> you know what? Nobody would be tired this evening. No one would be afflicted this evening. Everyone would have had the strength to be here this evening. No illness, no problems, no worries. And it would have been wonderful. But I also recognize that we're afflicted. And I also recognize I'm not in control. And I also recognize that he is sovereignly working over his people and in his people to build his kingdom. So until I'm in control, which will never happen, I'm trusting that God is working in the manner that he so sees fit in my life, in my personal affairs, and in the Wind Place Baptist Church. Continue to pray as we, Lord, will open our hearts and minds as we continue to study what's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. All right, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, Maybe in our, our own hearts, we should too confess the same thing as the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray in a manner that is humble. Teach us to pray in a manner that's selfless. Teach us to pray in a manner that focuses on your kingdom. Things that will bring glory to your name. Things that will lift your name amongst the heathen things that will usher in your kingdom, things that will lead people to you. Lord, I know that at times that when we come to you in prayer, our minds are often focused upon ourselves, but you've taught us here in this prayer alone to think about others. We're all struggling. We're all troubled. And the only relief we have is in you. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.